This morning, we are going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. We, we finished up last week with chapter 2, and we're skipping over uh, chapter 3, getting into chapter 4. And, and we're going to be staying in Luke uh, through March, at least, as we, as we travel through the Gospels in between Jesus' birth and His death on the cross and His resurrection come Easter time, which will be March 31st. And, and some of the themes that we're going to be looking at as we go through this series of the Gospel of Luke, we're not, obviously we're jumping over chapters because you just can't do Luke in the amount of time between. Uh, but what we're going to be looking at, the passages that are going to jump out at us, are going to be passages predominantly focused on things like prayer, and things like hunger. And, and today we're going to start, and, and if you notice, it's just the first four verses of Luke. Uh, this is the temptation of Jesus. There are three temptations recorded in Matthew and Mark and Luke, but only, only the first one is the only one we're going to look at this morning. And specifically because it deals with this question of hunger. It's the only temptation of Jesus that, that uh, attacked something he was going through physically at that moment. The other two, throwing himself off the pinnacle of the, the temple and then going up the high mountain and seeing all the nations and uh, being encouraged by the, the devil to bow down to him, those had more to do with uh, the future. You know, Prove that you're the Son of God. Prove that this claim is true. God will protect you. But also, you can become king without going to the cross, which was the temptation of, here are all the nations. All you have to do is bow down to me. But this temptation, the first temptation, deals with a physical struggle. And I think it's appropriate that Jesus had this temptation from the devil because quite often... Our physical situations affect our spiritual feelings. You know, if you're hungry, it's really hard to be patient, right? It's really hard to be kind if you've got this gnawing in your belly and we call it hangry sometimes. You know, you're not really angry, but you're hungry and people are annoying you, so you become hangry. You're hungry. And, uh, and it's true. Sometimes just our physical situation, we can put up with things on a normal basis, but if you're wet and cold and hungry, well, then we become irritable. And it's harder to be good. And so that's what we see here. Is, is, and what we're going to be looking at is this question of when you hunger. And, and even though we're talking about situation, you know, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So as we talk about hunger, yes, we're talking about that physical need for food that we have. But we're also, hopefully, as, as you think about this passage and, and what we look at this morning, hopefully you will also be thinking about those times that you hunger for other things. Because to hunger means to be without. And we can, we can hunger for a relationship. We job. We can hunger for different circumstances. We can hunger for many things outside of just food. 
So as we, as we look at this talk about specifically, yes, food, let's also remember that we can apply this to other areas in our lives as well. So let's go ahead and we're just going to look at the first four verses here in, in the Gospel of Luke. Verse 1 tells us, and, and by the way, just to put it in context, chapter 3 was the baptism of John. John came in ministering and baptizing people. Jesus was baptized by John he was um, praying after he was baptized. Heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Real quick aside, remember John had the Holy Spirit from, his, from before birth when he was still in the womb. Jesus doesn't have the Holy Spirit until his baptism. At the beginning of his ministry is when he gets the Holy Spirit. And it's very important to realize Jesus had to receive the Holy Spirit because he had laid aside the attributes of God that he had. So the ability to know what people were thinking wasn't something that he had in himself as a human. The ability to heal people wasn't something he had in himself as a human. He laid that aside. The Holy Spirit came upon him. And everything he does from this point forward is him as a being and God obeying God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why, for instance, when the woman with the issue of blood touches Jesus, he recognizes power left, but he didn't make any decisions. Holy Spirit was going rogue right there. If, if the Holy Spirit can go rogue, you know, the Holy Spirit was acting. So, this is important because in verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan where he had been baptized and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. So, the Holy Spirit took Jesus. He was full of the Holy Spirit. First time Jesus is described as being full of the Holy Spirit. And he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Verse 2 tells us that he was there for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Now, 40 days is an important number for us. It, it mimics the 40 years of the Israelites wandering through the wilderness. Jesus is wandering through the wilderness, just like his forefathers did, just like the people of Israel did. Not only that, but as he's in there, he's being tempted by the devil. And this is why I would put quotes around Jesus' first temptation or Jesus' temptations. These are just three that are recorded. These are just three that have meaning and value for us as believers and as the authors of the Gospels were writing them. He was being tempted by the devil the entire time as far as it reads. He was in there for 40 days being tempted by the devil. Nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. And we we have times, and we see things like you know Elijah going for a long periods of time without food, and Jesus has gone for a long period of time, and maybe he hasn't been feeling hungry the whole time. Maybe he has, but we definitely know by the time it ended, he became hungry. And it's in his hunger that the devil attacks him. In verse 3, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God. In other words, prove it. 
show that you are, tell this stone to become bread. If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. In, in other words, satisfy your physical need. Now, Jesus has gone for 40 days without food. He has a physical need for bread. He, he needs to eat. He has a need for it. And not only that, he's got a gnawing in his stomach that's probably starting to really drive him crazy. And he wants to eat. And so the devil's saying, look, just, you know, take that stone, tell that stone to become bread. And this is something Jesus could do. He, he talks, he, he, he creates bread out of a little bit of bread. He makes a ton of bread. Out of two fish, he makes a ton of fish to the point where there's leftovers. He, he most likely could have done this. But instead, in verse 4, Jesus answered him, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Now, if you've got the King James Version, uh, it says, but by every word of the Lord or of God. That is most likely uh, included because Matthew had the whole passage. And as people were looking at and, and writing down and copying the Scriptures, the fact that Luke didn't have it when Matthew had it, why does Luke only have half the quote, you know, it just got added. But there's plenty of evidence of um, copies of Scripture from way back when that show that eh, that was most likely an addition to make it, make it agree with Matthew. Man, Luke just leaves it with, man shall not live on bread alone. And, and so what he is uh, arguing here, the devil is saying, here, make these stones bread. And Jesus' answer is, no, man does not live by bread alone. I don't just need bread in my life, and I'm not going to live for my stomach. There is a higher thing I am living for. The, the thing I really want us to, to focus on as we begin here and, and, and to realize also that Jesus' response, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, is coming out of uh, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. And we're going to be flipping there in just a few minutes. But the thing I really want us to wrestle with here is not so much the devil's attack or Jesus' response. But just go back to that first thing I pointed out in verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. This whole situation Jesus is being tempted by the devil. Jesus is being hungry. This whole situation is created by God through the Holy Spirit. God has purposely, through the Holy Spirit, led Jesus to a place without food. He has not provided food for him for 40 days. And apparently he has not taken him anywhere where he could get some food. Not even some locust or wild honey. Jesus is gone without food, specifically because that is the way and that is the place that the Holy Spirit has led him. And what we're going to see, and we're going to see it as we go back into the Old Testament and see where Jesus is coming from in his answer, is that God will lead you to places of hunger. It is not just Jesus who gets led to a place of hunger. He is reenacting, as I said, he is reenacting the Israelites' wilderness wanderings. Just as Jesus, after his birth, 
had to go to Egypt to escape Herod, and this was fulfilling a prophecy of, out of Egypt I called my son, that Jesus was uh, experiencing the life of the, of the Israelites being in Egypt, coming out of Egypt. Now he is reliving, in a way, their wilderness wandering. Now, God's not necessarily going to take you to the wilderness and say, I want you to relive the Israelites' wilderness wandering. But contrary to the prosperity gospel uh, preachers out there who say God just wants good things for you and God wants to bless you and God's got a new Cadillac for you and God's got a new house for you, God's got a place of hunger for you and He will lead you to a place of hunger if you are His. Because God has a desire greater than our physical needs and our physical desires, and our physical comfort. And and it may be that you have gone through those places in the past, that you have gone to places of hunger where you started wondering, what is God doing? And remember, it isn't just about physical hunger. Yes, Jesus was without food. But you have most likely been to, or you will in your life, go to a place, metaphorically speaking, where you are hungry. It, It may be discontent with work. It may be discontent with your life. It may be a time of debt and of lack of funds. And you think to yourself, how am I ever going to get out of this? Why is God doing this to me? I thought He loved me. That's a normal reaction. Jesus' answer to the devil was Scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 8 because that's where uh, He is coming from with his words, and that is also what he is reenacting. Because back in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, and and, uh, Moses recounts it in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God led the people of Israel, as they were coming out of Egypt, to a place of hunger. And, And so let's look at why is it that God would lead us to these places of hunger in our lives. I want to turn over to to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're just going to look at a few verses to to begin with, just verses 2 and 3, real small. Moses is is talking to the new generation, the generation that is going to go into the promised land, the generation that experienced the Exodus as adults. Only two men who were over the age of 20 who walked out of Egypt walked into Canaan. There were children and young adults under the age of 20 that maybe walked into the promised land, but very few. The people were disobedient. They refused to go into the promised land, and so they wandered for 40 years. But prior to that, as they were leaving Egypt, as they were going into the wilderness, before they even got to Mount Sinai, they had some experiences. And so as as Moses is telling the people and, and preparing them to go in, he's reminding them of what happened and how they are to live their lives to obey God's commandments. And so he says to them in verse 2, You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. That He might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep... He humbled... There's no... That he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, 
but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. So there's where Jesus got his quote that he quoted back to the devil. The devil says, just take these stones, make some bread. But Jesus is remembering. He's remembering when the people of Israel were brought out of Egypt and they wandered through the wilderness and God brought them specifically how God led them in the wilderness that He humbled you and let you be hungry. Just imagine what the Israelites were going through. They had just come out of slavery for 400 years. They had been brought through the Red Sea. And they're following this God that they thought would never show up. And they see Him as a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire at night. He's talking to Moses, who they remember as being an Egyptian. But he came back after 40 years. And now he's trying to lead them know who their God is, and He's taken them places that they're not sure about. He's taken them places where they're going to be hungry. And, and, and He's specifically saying that He let them be hungry. And then He fed them with manna, which you did not know. And it's so interesting, this thing about manna. You know, in the New Testament, when that whole thing is wrapped up with the, the, the manna from heaven and the bread of life from heaven. And, and the people of Israel are like, oh, we want to be fed with this kind of bread all the time. They think it's great to be fed with manna. And they are so excited because it's something in their history that was such a great thing. But the people that actually lived through it, that walked through it, at one point they're like, all we have to eat is the stinking manna. Bread from heaven. And they grumbled about it at some point because for 40 years, that's all they had. Bread in the morning, meat at night for 40 years. But it was something that God did. I mean, if we think back on those times and we think, wouldn't it be awesome to experience God's grace that He provides for you by, by this, you know, the, the morning dew turns into these the stuff that you can grind up, it's like coriander seed, and you can make bread out of it, and it's sweet to the taste. Wouldn't that be awesome to experience that? But the people that experienced it said, no. I mean, it got old after a while. But God's purpose in it. Why did He do it? He God led the Israelites into the situation. God led Jesus into that situation. God leads us into situations. Why? Desiring to humble us. He's testing. Tested means different things. Now when Jesus is being tempted by the devil, that word tempted can also mean tested. It's, a, it's something that depends on the context. But when you're temp- tested, it's not just let's see how good you are or let's see if you're going to fail in this area. To test something is also to prove. You prove how good it is when you test it. And so He was testing you. He was proving you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. And the same is true for us as believers. God wants us to mature, to grow. To be strengthened in our faith. faith, He does that not by giving us everything we want, but by specifically not giving us things that we want. By leading us into places where we go without. By leading us into areas that are difficult, that are hard, where we are hurt. Because quite frankly, 
he wants what we're made of. More than that, he wants us to And he wants us to grow in faith. And he wants us to grow in obedience. His purpose in doing this and why he humbled them and let them be hungry was because he wanted them to understand that man does not live by bread alone, but everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That, that we live not based off of just the food that we eat, but we ultimately live based, based on what God has commanded and what he is saying to us. And, and that idea of everything that proceeds from his mouth isn't just scripture, but that we would live according to what he has said to us in our circumstances, in our situations. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, as you read the Scriptures, they should communicate to you in a living way. Not, a, a, not that we can throw it aside. I mean, a good way of determining whether or not somebody's actually hearing from the Holy Spirit is what they say, does, is it supported here? But we read what Jesus says and then we apply it in our lives. And so the, the idea of God's words are not just what he has proclaimed, but also what he speaks to us in our lives today. Are we obeying him? Are we living by him? That's the question. And, and all of this, God leads us to these places of hunger and God allows us to be hungry for our good. To test us, to prove us, to humble us. It's for our benefit. It is not for our benefit to give us everything. If you give a child everything they want, if you give them the nice, shiny things, what do you end up with? A spoiled brat. Right? So you got big auditoriums of people going to listen to smiley hair jobs talk about God wants you all to be a bunch of spoiled brats. And that's not the truth. The truth is, He wants us to be followers of Jesus Christ who did not desire to... He, he did not view the equality with God, something to be held on to, but emptied himself, put that stuff aside, and became human. He, obedi- he, he, he humbled himself and became obedient and learned obedience in his life to his earthly mother and his earthly father until he became obedient even to the point of death. That's the person God wants us to become like. The one who said, I did not come to serve, but to be served. The only way we do that is by going to some places of hunger where we start saying, what is God doing? Why is he doing this to me? Why is he allowing this to happen to me? And he's doing it for our good, that we would grow in him, that we would become more like Christ and that we would have faith. He says also in verse 16 in this, this is where we actually see, he says, uh, in the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you. And see, right there, to do good for you in the end. It was for your benefit. Now, if you're like me, I never believed my dad when he told me that after he got done spanking me or right before he was spanking me. It never felt like it was for my benefit. It always seemed like he enjoyed it just a bit too much. I think I could have gotten along just fine without it. But he always told me, I'm doing this because I love you. It never felt love, <laughs> did it? God said, I'm doing this because I love you. 
I'm doing this because it's for your good in the end. In the short term, it might not feel good. And in the short term, it might really hurt. And in the short term, guess what? It hurts your father as well. But I've got a purpose. I've got a desire. It's for your good in the end. In verse 17, he says, uh, Otherwise, you may say in your heart, My power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. He, you see, as the, as the people are getting ready to go into the promised land, Moses wants them to remember that all that they're getting, because they're going to take over cities. They're not going to have to build the cities. The cities are already there. They're just going to take them over and destroy and wipe out everybody that lives there as God's judgment on the Canaanites. And, and there's going to be fields that are already planted, and they're just going to reap what they did not sow. Because it's already been planted by the Canaanites, but they're coming in there, and they're going to take it all. And he says, I want you to recognize, and I wanted you to recognize, and this is why I took you to places of hunger for your good, that I could humble you and that you would recognize that it's not by your power or your strength of your hands that you have become wealthy. It's because I am your God and I have given you this wealth. That was his concern for them. See, he had these people in Egypt and he was bringing them out and he wanted them to recognize and know that he would provide for them. And that what they had came from his, not themselves. Because otherwise they would forget their God. And that was the concern. And it's a terrible thing to forget your God because then you sin against your God and then your God has to discipline you. And that's what he's trying to avoid by humbling them first. So God allows us, he takes us, he willingly, purposely takes us to places where we go hungry. He allows us to be hungry for our own good. And guess what? When we, when we enter into those times of hunger, if you're going through a time of hunger now, or if you've been in one, or if you're, whenever you face one, this is tough to do in the moment, I realize. Uh, it's very tough to do. Especially because we never know how long these times might go. They could take a decade or two. They could take years. They could take our lives. But times of hunger are times to trust and obey God. Times of hunger are times to trust and obey God. It is for our good that He takes us there. We go hungry and we start hurting. And that's when it's time to double up. To dig in and to obey Him and trust Him even beyond what we see happening. And, and that's faith. That's faith. Faith is not getting what you want. Faith is you specifically didn't get what you want and you still believe you're going to get it. That is faith. And that's what we see played out in Exodus chapter 16. That's what, that's what this is all re referring to. So if we go even deeper in, chapter 16 of Exodus tells us they set out from Elam and all of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between on the 15th day of the second month, traveling for a month and a half. Second, 15th day of the second month since their departure from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. They grumbled. They've been traveling for a month and a half and they have been brought to a place purposely by God where they are going hungry. 
where they are running out of food. And I wonder just how much hunger they're experiencing. You know, are, uh, if, if they're anything like us, probably as they were noticing their stores were winding down, they probably started cutting their rations, right? We're going to eat a little bit less. We're going to eat a little bit less. We're going to make this last as long as we can. And they probably still have food, but they're grumbling about because they can see there's no food in sight. We are going to run out. And they're grumbling to Moses. They're grumbling about Moses and against Moses and Aaron. And verse 3 tells us that the sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. Oh, it would have been better if we had just died back in Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, those good old glory days of being slaves in Egypt, when they had pots of meat and they could eat to the full, the good old days of slavery in Egypt, that's what they missed. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill us, to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, we understand where they're coming from. They're hungry. They're afraid. They're wondering where their next meal is going to come from. They, they, they are beyond any place where they can find something. And so it's kind of natural that they would accuse God and Aaron and Moses of, of purposely doing this just so they could kill them. Yeah, you, you, you brought the ten plagues to the Egyptians and you took us out of Egypt. We plundered Egypt. We took all their gold. And then you led us through the Red Sea just so you could kill us in the wilderness. Thanks, God. Good job. We've all probably said something similar to God at one point or another, haven't we? I'm telling you if you're just going to do this to me, God. You, you, you must just really, you, you must enjoy seeing your children suffer, don't you, God? You ever had a thought that was close to that? That came close to that? That's what they're doing. They're grumbling and complaining. Notice the difference between that and Jesus. He's uh, no grumbling or complaining. In fact, when the devil um, tempts him, take these stones, make them bread. He actually had the ability a whole time, if he had wanted to, to say to the Holy Spirit, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, make the bread, make bread appear. But he never did. And when the temptation came, he said, no, I, I, I don't live by bread alone. Man is not to live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I'm focused on something else. The Israelites in this spot, the focus and the point is, is that faith and trust would have led them to say, we're not sure what we're doing, but God has brought us this far, and He's done some amazing things, and so we're His people. He'll do some amazing things again. Should have been, in a perfect world, their proper reaction. But they've been slaves for 400 years. He's brought them out, but they're not quite with Him yet. But the Lord comes to Moses in verse 4, and He says, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven on for you. The people shall go, out, shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. I may test them whether instructions are they going to obey me? Are they going to walk? I told them to do. 
This is my test. This is what I want to do. This is why I've brought them out here. So that they could obey. That they could trust me and obey me. And that's what I'm seeing. They've already, they've already failed on the trust part because they, they've accused him of trying to kill them. He tells them on further on the, on, in verse 5, on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. See, every day they were only supposed to gather enough for that day. And if they kept anything over, it would go and turn uh, rotten and have worms and, and junk in it. But on, on Friday, they were supposed to take twice as much because on Saturday, the bread that they, the, the, the manna they gathered would still be good. It would be good for two days so that they could rest on the Sabbath. So, so God created everything so that they, could, they would have plenty of food, everybody would have exactly what they needed, and they would have enough on the day that they needed to rest. He wanted to test them to see if they would obey Him, if they would walk in His commandments, if they would keep His word. And unfortunately, the people did not trust Him and they did not obey Him. Some of them did, but on the very first Sabbath, after they went out and they gathered up food for a week, you know, every day, Doing it, and sometimes some people would keep too much and it would go bad. And Moses was like, What did I tell you all? It's going to go bad. Just take enough for the day. And then some people on Sabbath, they woke up and they went out to look for the manna and there was no manna around. And Moses had to, you know, he's, What did I tell you all? Gather enough for two days on Friday. There's not going to be any out there. And, and God even, he's looking at Moses and like, Moses, I don't know about these people. They don't trust me. They don't obey me. And that's where Jesus is fixing things. You see, the, the people of Israel, they didn't trust. They didn't obey. They struggled with the manna. They got to a point where they said, oh, it's awful. All we got is manna to eat. And so God brought them Birds to eat. Meat. But Jesus now, when He's in the wilderness and He's hungry, and the temptation to Him, He says, no, I, man shall not live by bread alone. I'm not just focused on my stomach. I'm focused on what God is telling me and how God is going to provide for me. And, and after the temptation time, angels come and minister to Him. He gets food in God's time, not the devil's time. And so I, I want to encourage us to consider those times, whether physically or emotionally, we are led by the Lord into those places of hunger. Take heart. God is the one leading you into that place of hunger. If He's leading you into it, He's got a plan to lead you out of it or to provide for you while you're in it. Our heart's focus should not be on, oh, what is He doing to me? But instead to say, okay, I'm in this. But God loves me, and so he's got, a, he's got my good at heart. And that takes faith. Because it doesn't feel like he's got your good at heart, does it? But by faith we say, God's, God's doing this for my good. And if I'm in a place of hunger that God has led me to, and it's for my good, then what can I do? I can trust him. How do I live for him in this place and this time of hunger? And the difference between the Israelites and us is that we have the Holy Spirit. 
The difference between the Israelites and us is that we've got Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who has gone before us. When you hunger, when you hunger, think of Jesus. And when He hungered. And and there were lots of times in His uh, ministry that the, the disciples went hungry. Being in a place where you're hungry, where you're hurting, isn't to be outside of the will of God. It it could be the very purpose that He has for you at that time, for your good, for your growth, for your maturing. So trust Him. Trust Him in those times. And obey Him. Look for His Word. What is He telling you? How is He guiding you? Let His Word fill you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that uh, as we have the opportunity, when we're looking for You to do something for us and You do not provide in the way we want, and we start to wonder if maybe we had made a mistake. Maybe we are doing something wrong. Maybe we misheard you because it's not going well. Help us to remember, Lord, that you will lead us into the wilderness from time to time. That you will lead us to places where we go hungry, where we lack, where we we hurt. Father, we pray that we would trust You when we're in those circumstances. That we would remember that You love us. That You do it for our own good. To prove our faith. To sharpen it. To strengthen it. Lord, we pray that we would be obedient in those times. That we would not give up too soon. but That we would hold out for You trusting that that You will save us at the proper time, that You will provide all that we have need of. Lord, we pray, strengthen our faith. Strengthen us. Help us to be witnesses to those around us of our hope, our faith, and Your goodness and Your provision. We ask and pray these things today in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen.